Praise the Lord. I'm starting God's Act of Apostles chapter 2 in this series. In this chapter 2, this is the baptism of the Holy Ghost coming down for the first time upon the apostles. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And they appeared unto them clothing tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. And that was the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and that is how the Lord has been doing it. Now, when we are receiving the Holy Ghost after the first baptism like this, this was a dramatic, because the first one was dramatic, where they saw clothing tongues as of fire, which means they have their eyes open, and they saw these tongues of fire coming down. And there was wind before they started, and they were free, and then they started speaking in tongues. Now, after this one, there are other places where the Holy Ghost was given. Apostle Paul, Apostle Peter, and John. Peter and John went to Samaria when Philip the Evangelist was preaching there. And the Bible said he laid his hand upon the disciples that were believed, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, there was no record of seeing fire or wind. But they felt, they saw them speaking in tongues. So then from the time of the apostles, it was no more, you don't need the fire visible, you don't need the wind blowing everybody down, but they see, they, the people that are being filled felt something. It's a feeling, they feel something come upon them, coming to them, and they started speaking in tongues. And that is the evidence that they have been baptized in the Holy Ghost. If the speaking in tongues become the evidence of the Holy Ghost baptism. That when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you should speak in tongues. And you see the same thing when Apostle Peter was invited to the house of Cornelius, the centurion, in Caesarea. And the Bible said, after Apostle Peter started preaching, that we get to those in all those next chapters of Acts of Apostles. And he said, when he was just talking to them, the Holy Ghost came upon these Gentiles and they started speaking in tongues, they prophesied. So that speaking in tongues and prophesying was and it became the evidence that you have been filled with the Holy Spirit up till now. So the first one where they saw fire and the wind follow up with uh, accompanying this feeling, infilling was more like dramatic. The Lord used that dramatic to, to, to start it out. But after that, many people are being laid. They just lay their hand upon them and these people get filled. These people that are getting filled, they felt something. They felt something. I knew when I was filled with the Holy Ghost, I felt something. Even though I didn't even open my eyes, but I felt like an electric shock. In the open air, now that I touched any wire, electric shock went through me. That is the fire that they were seeing in, that, uh, in the actual apostles. But I didn't open my eyes to see where I saw any physical something, but I felt a shock of electricity that went through my bones before I was filled with the Holy Spirit. And when I was filled with the Holy Spirit, I started speaking in tongues. And that was how many people, some people don't feel that electric shock. It depends on what measure the Lord is giving to you, because we are giving the Holy Spirit by measure. By measure. So, 
Some people don't, may not feel the shock of electricity, but they felt infinite and they started speaking in tongues. So different measure of the Holy Ghost. So that is really what you see in this actual apostles that when the Holy Ghost came, first came down, they saw tongues of fire, they, they, they saw wind, and then they were filled with Holy Spirit, and then they started speaking tongues. Since then, different variation of the manifestation is, but every one of them speak in tongues, and they are filled with the Holy Spirit. Now let's continue. Verse 5. And they were dwelling. They were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noise abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? Now, let's explain this. When they say every man heard them speaking in his own language, and the Bible said it will be a feast time. People assume that there was a feast of Pentecost that normally happened around the same time. And the Jews from every place, nobody come to Jerusalem for the feast. And the, all these Jews are from different parts of the world. And many of them were born in Egypt, some of them were born in Syria, some of them were born in different places. And when they came to Jerusalem, they came to Jerusalem for the feast. So they have their local accent, they also speak Hebrews. So those are the people that started hearing these people speaking their local dialects. And they say, ah, these people are speaking my Now, what, when you say they were hearing them, does not mean that uh, all of the people that were speaking in tongues were all speaking this dialects at the same time what they were what we believe they are saying is that 120 people are speaking in tongues maybe one of them here is speaking arabic and you can say well, that's arabic i could hear what he's saying and one of them here is speaking uh egyptian language and that's what say well, that's my language he, another one there is speaking uh syria syriac language so that was what we believe they meant so that they were hearing their own tongue from this way I didn't know Syriac language. Oh, I didn't know Galileans. So that was where they were first confounded. Because they are speaking our, our different languages. So that was the report that we see here. That is not like an interpretation of tongues. You understand that? Interpretation of tongues that the Holy Ghost also gives when, when He gives us the, the gifts of the Holy Ghost. He can manifest interpretation of tongues, which means somebody could be speaking his, his tongue which in the person that is speaking does not even know the language, but the Holy Ghost can give another person or the same person to interpret what he just said in the language that everybody can understand. That's called interpretation of this tongue. We are that person himself did not learn the language. But these people are not are not interpreting the tongues, they are just hearing their local language being spoken by these people that are not from there. It's like me, I've never been to China before, neither do I know a single word in China. So if Holy Ghost starts speaking to, through my mouth and I start speaking Chinese, and a Chinese person is in the congregation, you will know that this is Chinese, it's okay, you will be able to understand that it's not interpretation of language, that is just he knew the language I was speaking. Just like I'm from Nigeria, Africa, and I have my local language, Yoruba. If I go to a place, in another place, and they are all foreigners to me, and then somebody was speaking my vernacular language in Yoruba in tongues. I would think, well, did has this man ever gone to Africa before? How do you, how do you know my language? He said, no, I'm no I, didn't know, I didn't know your language. I'm just speaking in tongues. That was what would be called 
I'm just understanding my language. I'm hearing them speak my language. That was what was going on here. They heard them speaking their own language where they were speaking in tongues. They are hearing each one of them, each individual person speaking different languages that they were familiar with. Verse 8. That's why I say, How hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? Verse 9. They listed all these languages or nations that were present. Parthians and Medes and Elamites and the dwellers of Mesopotamia and all and in Judea and Cappadocia, in Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, in Egypt and in the parts of Libya, about Cyrene and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians. We do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. Now, you see, when they are speaking in tongues, what are they saying? When people are speaking in tongues, they are praising God. Many times they are just prophesying or praising God. But they are praising God in this language, praising God in that language, praising God in that language, praising God in that language. You may not even know what you are saying, but you are praising God, you are saying something to him. But these people that could understand the language say, well, he's praising God. He's praising God. He's talking about the great powers of God, what God has done, great things he has done. So that's why they say we are hearing the wonderful works of God from the mouth of these people that don't even know our language. How did they get to know enough to be speaking like this? But so say, and they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying what on earth? What meaning is this? It became like a a, a spectacle. But started say others mocking say these men are full of new wine. When those uh, unbelievers wanted to ridicule what was going on. Verse 14. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them. Now Peter was going to preach to this crowd that gathered. Now when we look at this um, episode here, people wonder that were they still in the upper room when Peter spoke? Because he said about 5,000 people. So you have to know that when the, this is how we, I believe it, it has happened. Because the first time it was upper room. And you are filled with the Holy Ghost. But they, they will pass, we are meeting every day since the first experience, and then they are no more in the apartment. Maybe they move to an open space, open, open space close to the temple, or somewhere where the upper room is somebody's house. So there's no way you can have 5,000 people looking through the window of the upper room. No. They have moved from the upper room to the open space. And anytime they gather, they start worshiping the Lord, this Holy Ghost, they start speaking in tongues, just like anybody can do now. So that was what was going on, where people now begin to gather. Because when you see 120 people gather in a place, praying and speaking in tongues, not just praying. If they kneel down praying, you say, don't bother them. But they are singing, they are rejoicing. People will come around to watch. That's what was going on. People come around to watch. And then they started seeing, they saying these languages that they are looking away. They move around and say, it's talking my language. It's talking my language. That was what was going on. But they are now in an open space. Maybe an open place like a park or open space next to the temple. Somewhere like that is where they are right now that these people gather and they say, well, well what is going on here? Then Apostle Peter stood up to talk to these people that are gathered. The crowd that are gathered, he wanted to address them so that they are not just on onlookers. Verse 14, so Peter standing up with the eleven lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell in at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken, as ye suppose, because they must have heard them, some of them that are, that are unbelievers are saying, hey, they are, they are they call scoffers, saying these people are drunk. I want to correct them really quickly. So this can you can't call it drunk when it's just so early in the morning. So these are not drunk as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. Third hour is 9 a.m. 
So they were gathered and they are praying at 9 a.m. Nobody is drunk at 9 a.m. People go to work and then they go in the evening time, people can be accused of be drunk. Not on 9 a.m. So that was what he just first used to first dismiss that uh, that uh, accusation that, oh, maybe they were drunk, that's why they are talking all this garbage. Someone called gibberish <laughs> because they didn't understand the language. But people that are understanding the language are saying, no, this is not gibberish, he's speaking my Persian. That's what saying, that one speaking my. Egyptian language, okay. So, but those who couldn't understand what's going on, so these are just they are drunk. That's why they are talking gibberish. Uh, Peter wanted to settle that right away. Said these are not drunk as he supposed. Seeing it is, but the third hour of the day, nobody drinks at nine a.m. Everybody go to work. That's verse sixteen. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Now he was going to re remind them of the prophecies that have been in the Bible. What is the prophecy? And it shall come to pass in the last days, said God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaids, and my servants and my handmaids, I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. So we're saying that this is prophesy. We are prophesying. This is what we are hearing. Verse 19. And I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now you can see Apostle Peter but to them the prophecy of Joel and said this is what you are seeing happening right in your days God has poured out his spirit upon all flesh and the, that's what you are hearing we are prophesying and this is what has been prophesied by Joel that God said I will do it in the last day before the great day before the wrath of God comes upon the world that started where you can say is talking on the wrath of God at the end of the world yeah, it has started from this days of apostles that God has poured his spirit and is going to keep pouring his spirit upon all flesh until the end and that is what that is summarized to me. He said, Before the sun turned to darkness and the moon to blood, and the notability of the Lord, God is pouring his spirit upon all flesh. People will prophesy. That's what we are saying. That's why there is baptism of the Holy Spirit all over the churches of Christ, all over the world. Verse 21 says, And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That is the whole purpose. The whole purpose is for God to want to save mankind from hell and lake of fire. That's the whole purpose. If you call upon the name of the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall be saved. And that is the purpose. And then when people begin to hear the gospel and they call upon the Lord, that save me, Lord, he will save them from sin and change their life and also give them the Holy Spirit. So Apostle Peter is going to continue by telling these Israelites about Jesus and how this prophesying came to be. How it came to be, who, who gave you these things? How did you get to come to get these things? He's going to tell us it is Jesus that you crucified that has sent this thing and he's in heaven right now. He's coming, he's, he, he, we saw him go to heaven and he's going to and he has shed his Holy Spirit upon us for the from now to the end. Verse 20 says, Ye men of Israel, hear these words Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you. As ye yourself also know, him 
being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken, and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. Now, he, he was indicting them that you all of you that are listening to me, you have heard about Jesus of Nazareth. You are all in Jerusalem, right here in Jerusalem. When you were all there yelling that they should crucify him, which was like uh, two months ago. You see, it was like 40 days plus 10, 50. About two months ago, that happened. Also. So the people can still remember. Yeah, we remember that Jesus of Nazareth. And he was now trying to tell them this same Jesus whom you crucified, God bless you for me there. That was the first witness. The first witness, their witness was that God rose, he rose from the dead. We saw him with our eyes. We ate with him. All this crowd didn't know about that. Now he's telling them now. But so the first thing, whom God has raised up, having lose the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holding of it. How can somebody that called the dead out of the graves, four days in the grave, with his own voice, how can death hold that person? So he say it's not possible for death to hold him because what is death? Some satanic spirits keep the soul away from their body. That's really what death is. Otherwise, every spirit, every human spirit, we want to come back to that body God gave to us, our body. But when they are forced out of it, either in accident, in sickness and disease, they couldn't come back because they first locked them up until the body is disposed of. That was what happened. The body is disposed of. Or they themselves can't come to it because the body is so weakened they don't want to live there anymore. It's like a house that is demolished. That was what death is. But this is our house, the physical body. It's what God gave to mankind, our spirit. Now I said, the Lord Jesus Christ that called the dead out of the graves, four days in the grave. So what death can hold him on the other side? No death. He said, I'll come back by myself. But yeah, but you have shed all your blood. See, it is not the blood that keeps us alive, it is the spirit that keeps us alive. So the blood has been drained, but he came back and took that body out. So that is exactly what it is. And you see, it's a small thing for God to create another blood into that body. It's a small thing for God to create a new blood, if you need blood. So that is exactly why he could come back by himself, because his voice called the dead. The one that have been casting out devils, and they called the dead out of the grace by his own voice. No death can hold him on the other side. So that's what Apostle Peter was pointing to them here. That it's not possible that he should be holding by death. Verse 25 says, For David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for it's on my right hand that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad. Moreover, also my flesh shall rest in hope. Because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thy holy one to seek corruption. He said David was prophesying about the Messiah, I will not be left in hell. Which means the Lord Jesus Christ went to hell and arrested the principalities and powers of Satan there and bind them up. The Bible says he led captivity captive. So hell is where Satan locked up all the souls that were imprisoned, that were dead, that were dead or not. He held, locked them up in hell until, until the resurrection. But those that are righteous were rescued from the hand of Satan and put in paradise. But those that are not righteous will be locked up in hell, like in prison yard. But Christ went there to fight all those prisoners, all those, all those uh, hell wardens. And he bound them up and came back and said, he, he took the keys of death and of hell. He's now the authority. Now Satan appeared, he bound Satan. Satan has to bow. 
Because all power in heaven and earth is in the name of that Jesus. In God Almighty is the one that manifests as a human being. And so Satan has to bow. Now he says, it's now the authority now. Satan has to do what Christ says. And we are in Christ Jesus. Satan has to do what we say in Christ Jesus. And that's why he came and gave gifts unto men. Gave us gifts as apostles and Holy Spirit. And now he said, all power in heaven and earth is in my hands. For Christ said, so go now and preach the gospel to all people. Nothing shall bind him out to you, also said. So nothing shall bind him out to us. Satan should not out us. That's the word of God. So Apostle Peter was making a point clear that hell, death has no way to hold him. And said, so David prophesied about these things that the Messiah will not be left in hell. Neither will thou suffer thy only one to see corruption. That is, he didn't see corruption. In three days he was out. Because the body will begin to corrupt if they are dead. For four days. That's why uh, when when you call Lara Mata, when you went to call Lazarus from the grave, Mata was saying, well, he's, he's already thinking now because he's already four days in the grave. But God can soon reverse that. And also, even if he's already thinking, God can reverse that. Because there will be those that already lost all their flesh and their only bones left, and God will call that bones back alive and put new flesh in them in the re-resurrection, you see, which he has shown into, in the book of Ezekiel. That can these bones live again? Ezekiel said, Thou knowest, O God. And he said, Prophesy, and the bones live again, flesh put upon it. So that will be the form of resurrection at the end. I mean, resurrection means these bones that were in the grace will come up alive again. That is what we mean by resurrection. Not that resurrection will just be floating in spirits. No, the bones will come up alive again because the power of God that created it in the first place can recreate it. So this is what uh, Apostle Peter was pointing out that. His body, our Lord Jesus Christ was not, does not see corruption. The third day he came out by himself, took our body and walked around and went up to heaven. Verse 28. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life, thou shalt make me full of joy and with thy countenance. Verse 29. Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch, David. That he is both dead and buried, and his sepulchre is with us unto this, unto this day. See, but because he was a prophet, therefore being a prophet of story, and knowing that God has sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he will raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He seeing this before, speak of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did seek corruption. So this Jesus, as God raised up, whereof we all are witnesses. I mean, he was saying, we that are gathered here, 120 of us, we are witnesses that he rose from the dead because we hate with him. For 40 days, we go back and forth with him and we saw him go up to heaven. People are saying, where is he right now? We saw him just like Elijah went to heaven, we, uh, but that was a chariot of fire. We saw him go up by himself to heaven, a cloud received him. So we are witnesses of that. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he has shed for these which ye now see and hear. That's the, the speaking in tongues. So you can hear it. You are seeing us prophesying. That is the Holy Spirit he shed forth upon us. Verse 34 says, For David is not ascended into heaven, but he said himself, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand, until I make thy foes thy footstool. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly, 
that God has made this that same Jesus, that same Jesus, that same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. So that was the witness that this that same Jesus that you crucified is God has made him Lord and Christ. Now verse 37, it was the response of this crowd. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? I mean, they are now convinced that this same Jesus they crucified is the one that sent the Holy Ghost and you guys are with him, so I well, what shall we do? We are in trouble here. And Peter was going to respond to them. Then Peter said unto them, repent. I turn around and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I mean, the same gift that they have, say, you also receive when you repent and you are baptized in, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. See, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for everyone that will come to Christ. And he says, so even as many as are far off, that means even all over the world. Gentiles world, he just, he just prophesied it. Because they were thinking just the Jews, no? The, all the Gentile world also. So as many as are far off, we are the far off people. Not the Jews that are scattered, but every believer that we come, both Jew and Gentile. As many as the Lord our God shall call. So you see, it is the Lord that is calling people. That a new kingdom is starting, and you are being called to be a member of this kingdom. The kingdom that is going to be ruling, that is going to live on this planet forever and ever. God is calling people into that kingdom. And if you are called, you, you are blessed. You better believe it and stand firm. Say, it is the Lord that called you. Jesus Christ said, you have not chosen me, I have chosen you. So it is his kingdom, it's just calling people to come and be part of that kingdom. Think of if a country is being started. Don't you do? See, people that are born in this country, they are citizens. Now, people that are going to be invited to come and become naturalized citizens. Then, the, the, that's why they have embassy to decide whether this man is qualified to be a naturalized citizen. That is, the kingdom of God is started by the Lord Jesus Christ and is calling people to be member of his kingdom. This is the Lord Jesus Christ's kingdom. And, and to be a member, you have to be born again. So like he's giving us a new birth. To be a citizen of this kingdom, you have to be born into that kingdom. By the Spirit of God, we are being born into this kingdom. That is why he's calling you to come and be born into that kingdom. When you accept him, you give that new birth. And verse 4 he said, And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourself from this untold generation. That is this generation that is going to going nowhere. Better save yourself from them. Verse 41. Then they that gladly received this word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and in breaking of bread and in prayers. So that was the first batch of converts that the apostles made. Most of these people have heard Jesus preach. Some of them were just uh, on the borderline, they really didn't know whether to follow this message. So now, when they, uh, because when you see only one twenty people at the, at the upper room, Christ has been praying for 21, two, three years. Not so. so many of them believe and they don't know where to stand. But now, when the Apostle, Paul's, Apostle Peter presented this thing, many of them come back and say, I'm, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. And we have 3,000 at the same day. Verse 43, And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the Apostles. And all that believed were together 
and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. Like I said, it is the Lord that is calling people unto his kingdom. So as people hear the gospel and their heart is open to it and they accepted it, it is because God called you. And then they just come on and they are changed. They are giving that new birth that make them to be ready for, for Christ. They are ready for anything. They are going to confess Christ, witness for Christ to the end. That is the end of chapter 2. And we we'll continue this in the next chapter. God bless you.